Section 9 of The Dread Apache, That Early Day Scourge of the Southwest, by Dr. Merle Pingree Freeman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kid Near's End of His Trail of Blood Through Kid's Career Ended Kid Near's End of His Trail of Blood But at last the end of his career of robbery and bloodshed is approaching. The opportunity that Clark has been waiting all these years is nigh at hand. The Apache Kid's race is about run. Clark had been away from home, and when returning, on February 4, 1894, passing by the house of Emerson, a neighbor, about a mile from his own home, he noticed the tracks of three Indians about the house, and going inside found that they had robbed it of its contents. Going on home, he found his partner, Scanlon, whom the Indians had not disturbed, and said to him, Scanlon, your old friend the kid has been around again. Soon after, Clark, taking his gun, went out of the house for the purpose of scouting the country around and seeing whether he might get sight of the Indians. Going to the top of the peak nearby, where he could overlook the surrounding country without unduly exposing himself, he awaited events not realizing what an approaching one should mean to himself and to an old enemy on whom he had vowed vengeance for the death of his old-time partner and that this event would mark an era in a life ever filled with its dangers not one of which had ever been shirked but always bravely met the opportunity for which he had waited and in his way, a way probably familiar only to the old scout, had prayed for, was but a few short hours away. The language of his prayers, except for its fervency, may not have been up to the orthodox standard, but he knew what he wanted, and in asking for it, used the language with which he was familiar, the language of the desert and the mountain, the campfire and the trail closing act in great drama clark had been there for probably twenty minutes when looking off across an intervening canyon he noticed three indians approaching his horse where it was grazing about one thousand five hundred yards away the indians not having discovered clark who knowing it would be impossible to get across the canyon in time to save his horse raised the sights of his gun and fired at them not expecting however to hit any one of them at that distance but hoping to frighten them away from his horse on firing clark immediately ducked into the canyon out of sight of the indians who were evidently frightened by the shot waiting there until dusk he cautiously crawled towards his horse for the purpose of taking him to the house and was within about seventy-five yards of him it being too dark to see an object distinctly at any distance when he saw two indians approaching the horse and only a few steps from the animal and about fifty yards from where clark was owing to the darkness it was impossible to more than distinguish the two indians who were but a few feet apart one ahead of the other these were subsequently found to be the kid and his squaw the squaw in front and nearest to clark but owing to the darkness it was impossible to distinguish one from the other 
Clark instantly raised his gun and fired at the one nearest to him, but, being unable to see the sights, could only take a quick aim along the barrel. By his long experience with a gun, he knew the danger of overshooting in the dark and made allowance accordingly. As Clark fired, there came a simultaneous report from the kid's rifle and an outcry from the squaw, and from the character of this outcry, Clark knew that he had made the mistake of firing at the wrong Indian. The ball from the kid's gun whistled alarmingly close to Clark's head, but fortunately did no harm. Following the shots, the two Indians immediately dropped to the ground, and as fast as the old scout could work his rifle, he pumped the lead into where he had dropped, firing several shots. The Indian, however, fired but the one shot. Clark then made a run for his horse, but the animal being frightened, he was unable to catch him. Not knowing how many of the Indians there might be about, Clark immediately set out for Mammoth on the San Pedro, where he procured a small posse and was back at the scene of the shooting by morning, finding the squad dead a short distance from where she had been shot. Following the kid's trail, they found that he had hopped on one foot to where he had left his horse, one of his legs evidently being broken. Scouts from San Carlos following his trail found some bloody rags where he had built a little fire and probably dressed his wounds. Kid's Career Ended Thus ended the murderous career of the kid, the terror of the Southwest. Clark had undoubtedly hit him with one or more of his shots. Where or how soon after he may have died, no white man knows, Clark being the last one to see him, as the two shots simultaneously rang out on the silence of that night. Had it been the kid instead of the squaw, Clark would have earned the large reward that was offered for him dead or alive. Tom Horn, an old scout, who spoke the Apache language like a native, came from Denver subsequently, hoping that by some chance the kid might still be living somewhere and that he might earn the reward. The mother and the sister, however, both assured him that the kid was dead, but beyond this would say nothing. It would seem that there could be no more fitting ending to this little sketch than its dedication to the memory of those old-timers, makers of early-day history, the old pioneers. Each well played his individual part in that great border drama. On them the curtain has rung down for the last time. To them, the succeeding generations owe much. End of section nine. End of the Dread Apache, that early day scourge of the Southwest, by Dr. Merle Pingree Freeman. Read by Lori Banza.